This is Jaguars Post Game, presented by Florida Home AC. J.P. Shadrick, Mike Dempsey, and pride of the Jaguars, Fred Taylor, bring you highlights and analysis from today's game. Jaguars Post Game is brought to you by Baptist Health, Farah and Farah, and by Everbank. Now, to get things started, here's J.P. Shadrick. And welcome in. It's Jaguars postgame presented by Florida Home AC. Call Florida Home AC today, official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. J.P. Shadrick, Mike Dempsey, Fred Taylor from the Hyundai Studios at Everbank Stadium after a Sunday night football loss for the Jags. 23-7 the final. Ravens get a victory to improve to 11-3. The Jaguars fall to 8-6 with the loss on Sunday night. And all Ravens most of the night, but missed opportunities for the Jaguars. Guys, are the is the real big story in this game. They missed two field goals, a 50-yarder and a 55-yarder from McManus. Trevor Lawrence fumbled in the red zone. The play started at the 23-yard line. He fumbled at the 18-yard line going in. It was returned 17 yards. That set up a Baltimore touchdown. 10-0 Ravens led at that point. And then the Jaguars had the ball at the end of the first half. They hit the long ball to Zay Jones, 36 yards, ran up to the line, and then threw a pass short left inbounds. Tackled inbounds, the clock ran out. They had time to either spike it and maybe get two plays or throw it in the end zone or throw it into the stands and hit the popcorn vendor, whatever, and they didn't do any of that. And it was 10 nothing at halftime. They finally hit the long play in the third quarter to Agnew, 65 yards, but another lost fumble from Trevor Lawrence later in the game and it just was not clicking at all. The Jags unable to overcome all that. That is a long list of – and then you throw in the penalties. Three full starts, 12 men on defense. It just adds to the list of things that head coach Doug Peterson has talked about for a couple weeks, Fred. JP, you said it all, man. I don't know what else to say after that <laughs> other than this team is very mediocre right now. Those mistakes uh, are certainly the sign of a bad team. Uh Four of the five possessions in the first half, you have two missed field goals, the fumble, and the clock management right there uh, before halftime. Uh, third down miscues, a whole lot going on right there as well. Uh, lack of ball security uh, earlier in the game on third down. You have overthrow by Trevor to Zay and Ridley. Um, I don't know. Trevor has to play better. His decision-making is very questionable right now. Um He's not playing like a top five quarterback. This team is lost, in my opinion. They got to figure it out. I don't know how, but um, they got to go back to the drawing board and somehow figure it out. Yeah, Fred makes a good point on some of the off-target throws because I don't know if we know what he was feeling. He was shaking that arm on that last drive. So, you know, he ends up going over his last five. I can't say that that didn't have a major impact on it. For all we know, it did. But prior to that, Fred, I mean – he had some guys that he was just throwing it behind. Even on one yeah. of the uh, third down conversions, he had to Evan Ingram. He had to reach way back behind him. You yeah. know, a simple crossing pattern, and you know, and you compound it like the the physical error of dropping the football when you're running with it on third and seventeen is inexplicable to me. You got to wrap that up. You know, you're not going to get seventeen the way that play is developing, but it's the decision with later to go with about six minutes left where the, fortunately the Jags defense stepped up and held them to a field goal, but you're getting pulled down and you're, you're trying to make a play. And I understand your desire to make a play, but like they said on the broadcast, you just got to eat that ball and give yourself a chance to punt it away. But, you know, again, fortunately the defense stepped up, but this was a, 
mind-numbingly frustrating game, you know, mm-hmm. just with the self-inflicted errors. Give credit to the Ravens. They took advantage of them. They did what they had to do to win a football game. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot all right. night. But, man, that first half uh, is is like an instructional video waiting to be made on what not to do to put points on the board. Yeah, you know, a lot of times they say give credit to the Ravens for coming in here and winning. No, give credit to the Jags for making them look like they're really the number one seed. Uh, Could have easily been 12-10 at the half if they make those field goals. Just he, with the he field doesn't goals, fumble, right? right? Right, just with the field goals. Or at worst case, even on that fumble, it could have been 10-3. You come, out to, you come out in your first possession, defense holds, and then you go down and you score. Could have been a 10-10 ball game. Even after with, to start the second half with the missed fifty yarders, fine. You got the fumble; that's going to be three, and the, the play at the end of the half—that's an automatic three. That's a, the, yeah, the clock. So, so ten you got six, six right at there, minimum. Right, that, like that's then you the hold, and then scenario. now it's thirteen yeah. ten. I mean, and that coulda, coulda, woulda, all that good stuff. Sure. It sounds great. Uh, this team deserves what they got. You know, it's the second week in a row they've allowed tight ends to just kill them. Um, no way you should allow tight ends to go for that much yardage and, and, and affect the game, the outcome. The run is non-existent. You don't even call the run. And uh, Ridley has to be uh, more consistent. You know, he's not playing like a, a true number one right now. Uh, bobbling the ball, some some uh, drops here and there. He was pretty so good just, early in the game, though, it felt like. First half, I mean, he was just getting into it a little playmakers bit. Playmakers got to step up and make right. the plays when you're supposed to. That could have been a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Thank you. Yeah, they if kept you catch it. it on the first on the first try, I thought it was a ball. Well, well, I didn't think he had possession. He got, he got hit and it okay. altered it so that you know. But you're right. I mean, if you caught it clean immediately, yeah. sure. But I but still they think kept it was showing good. it on NBC even after the fact. Yeah, I think, I think they, it was TD. I think they had their official uh, on there talking through it, as my guess, over and over again because they had different angles a little later that we didn't see originally that. It looked like he got a knee in and had some control the very last second. But hey, it's, they didn't call it, they didn't re- reverse it, and this is what it is. So I, I'm like, there are thoughts playing in my mind, and uh, I want to be cautious when I say it. But it seems that it's a trickle down effect from the aggression that comes from the head coach and his style and his ability. That it seems that this team lacks situational awareness. I mean, you got the clock management play right there. You know, you got Trevor, and and ball security is big, but you have to understand, at all of my might, I have to take care of this ball. At worst case, we're going to get three right there. Every little deposit counts, and these guys got to start playing in that fashion. And then on the flip side of that, you say, no, we just got to go balls to the wall and make it happen, full effort. So – that's why I say I want to be cautious in saying it, but situational awareness wins football games. It just adds up over the course of the game, and you put yourself in position to win. Yeah, That's just my two cents on that part. Hey, the, the one that's the most glaring is the one right before half, though. I mean, they're, they're running, they finally get the big play. I know it's a rush to get down there and everything, but that one slipped away. You're I mean, still going to get two plays. You're still going to get two plays. If you clock it right there, yeah. it's 10 seconds. You got a shot at the end zone in the field, well, in the field goal. Maybe two shots. Well, maybe maybe two possibly, shots if it's the four-second rule. Right. right, if it's the four-second per, uh, per play rule. But to throw 
a quick pass and it doesn't get out of bounds, then you just kill yourself altogether. Because right, you're I not gaining it. any yardage. There's it's no first yardage and five from the five. There. You got to you got to clock it right there. Yeah, and yeah. It, even if you don't clock it, because they're clearly running up, it's and it's a situation that they practice right. And Trevor is signaling whatever he's doing that we're going to go up there and we're going to snap this. And it's going to be a live play, but the ball has to go across the goal line. It has to be in the end zone, or if it's not there immediately, it's got to be out of the end zone. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, plenty to get to. We're out to Bucky Brooks. He's down the hallway. Doug Peterson will visit with the media, and then he'll uh, catch up with Bucky, and we'll get his thoughts on this loss tonight. The Ravens over the Jaguars, 23-7 the final score. Ravens now 11-3. The Jaguars now 8-6. and Three teams with an 8-6 and six record in the AFC South. The Jaguars are still in first via the tiebreakers over the Texans and the Colts. This is Jaguars postgame on Jaguars Radio. Jaguars postgame presented by Florida Home AC continues. J.P. Shadrick with Mike Dempsey and Fred Taylor from the Hyundai Studios at Everbank Stadium. Final score in Week 15 on Sunday Night Football. Ravens 23, Jaguars 7. The Ravens outrushing the Jags 251 to 75. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, and it's uh, it was one of those nights. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, 97 of those yards, but that still leaves a lot of yardage out there from Mitchell and Edwards. Mitchell had 73 on nine carries. Uh, Gus Edwards, 58 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown. Hill added five for 23 for the Ravens, so as – Usual, they spread the wealth with the other running backs. Mitchell uh, left the game with a knee injury, didn't return. But uh, we knew what Lamar could do. We knew what the rest of these running backs could do, and they did it. And they did it pretty much all night long. 251 rushing yards allowed from the Jaguars' defense. That hey, we, we talked about it coming in. They, they always say it every week, and they will say it every week. And they made it a point of emphasis all season. They've done pretty well. Our number one priority is to stop the run, and they – we're unable to to get that done on the defensive side tonight. Yeah, I thought, you know, look, Lamar is slippery, but I thought that, you know, I probably need to go back and rewatch it to be sure, but it looked like even Foyer, the, the most sure-handed of all the tacklers among the Jags and one of the most in the league, I thought he missed several opportunities either to get Lamar or running back on the ground. Uh, and Fred, on the other side, I just – I can't see how this running game for the Jags is going to get any better. You know, the, yeah. the, the personnel is the personnel on the offensive mm-hmm. line, and right now they're just not moving people. And I think Travis Etienne's game, I thought he started out fantastic yep. in the early going, but I don't know if the Ravens making adjustments or whatever the, the case may be, or the Jags is getting worn down on the offensive line. But if you can't run it and you're that one-dimensional, and now Trevor Lawrence, without Christian Kirk, I'm going to guess maybe without Zay Jones, you leave a game with a hamstring injury, it's going to be tough to come back next week. I mean, what do you do offensively to to put points on the board right now? It's a good question, Mike. <laughs> I wish I knew. Uh, I'll call in and help him out. Uh, yeah, no, Travis, uh, I think I tried him at five carries for 29 at a 5.8 clip in the first quarter. And by halftime, he had seven for 27. And then everything kind of went downhill after that. Uh, they are lacking consistency. You know, I, I don't know if it's a situation where they feel like they're playing too far from behind, which I don't think they are. Uh, I think they have a little bit more time to call a few more run plays in there, punt it, and try and play defense. Um, 
and just kind of calm things down. But shuffling those linemen, uh, not a lot of great communication in there. The inconsistency, it leads to the inconsistency in the run game. Um, Mike, I cannot answer your question. Then I certainly <laughs> I, can't. I don't right? have a clue. Um, yeah, and turning the ball over does not help that. Um, missing field goals sure. does not help that. Uh, it frustrates the play caller. Um, I'm I'm at a loss. I, I don't I don't have a clue. Yeah, it's that uh, time of year now. Three games to go, and um, you're running out of time to find that clue. That's just what it is. Because there, I mean, points early in the season. This offense. I mean, you, you had your full arsenal. Kirk's out there. Everybody's going. They ran the ball well against Buffalo, right in London. I mean, that was when this offense was rolling. Okay, they were running the ball pretty well and balancing things out. But times have changed. Yeah, I, I think uh, something did just jump out. They were three for thirteen on third down. You're not going to be able to run the ball if you have a third down uh, efficiency rate at that. Two for seven in the first half and one for six on on the back end when you need it most in the second half. So if you can't sustain and put together those chain drives and and execute on third downs, then you're not going to be able to get comfortable and run the and, and make more uh, play calls in the run game. So. I think if they can get better on third down, it gives them an opportunity to call more runs. But if they don't get better there, then we'll just have the same conversation each and every week about the run game. There you have it. Final score tonight, 23-7. Ravens over the Jaguars. Bucky Brooks standing by down the hallway. He'll catch up with head coach Doug Peterson shortly after he visits with the media. After this loss on Sunday night football to drop the Jaguars to 8-6 and six for the season. Baltimore now 11-3. and three. The Ravens outran the Jaguars tonight 251-75 to 75 in this ballgame. Um, the quarterbacks were each the leading rushers for their teams. We mentioned Jackson's numbers, 12 for 97. But Trevor Lawrence, 4 for 41 yards in this game tonight. And that's uh, far from enough. We've got plenty ahead. We're back in a moment. Uh, more reaction from this ball game tonight. Disappointing loss to the Jaguars on Sunday night football. And now a three-way tie atop the AFC South. The Jaguars have the tiebreakers for now in the division with a record of 8-6. and six. This is Jaguars postgame on the Jaguars radio network. Jaguars postgame presented by Florida Home AC. Call Florida Home AC today, official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Final score, Ravens 23, Jaguars 7. J.P. Shadrick, Mike Dempsey, Fred Taylor from the Hyundai Studios at Everbank Stadium. Well, the uh, Jaguars fall on uh, Sunday Night Football. It's an 8-6 and six record now for the Jaguars. Three straight losses for this uh, Jags team, and uh, plenty to, to decipher and, and go through this game. Still, we're waiting on Doug Peterson to visit with the media still, taking his time to get down the hallway, and then he'll visit with Bucky Brooks. We'll have that uh, conversation with Bucky coming up uh, in just a little bit after this uh, Jags loss. And you know, Let's go back to these missed opportunities early. And, you know, the, the 50, you, you can – McManus has been – pretty darn reliable even from long range in his career not just in Jacksonville right but 50 yard plus all right sometimes the the first one drifts it hits the upright no good second one was wide left and not close from 55 it's two missed opportunities the Lawrence fumble on his own in the red zone I I don't know was the ball wet I mean it was a wet surface out there because of the rain for two days Fred but like he was almost trying to tuck it and just 
while he was trying to tuck it, lost the grip on it and mm-hmm. fumbled it away. Nobody hit him. Yeah, JP, I don't think it was um, a matter if it was wet or whatever. He just – I think that was just a careless moment where he just kind of dribbled it out of his hands. And, um, yeah, to um, McManus, those are tough kicks. Yeah, they're 50-plus. tough no. kicks. There's some wind out there. Yeah. Uh, but you get paid to make them. It's, it's hard to make excuse for them. Um, you got to make those kicks, especially this time of the year when your team is dependent on you. And, again, even – with those miscues you have, which I believe was the clock management, I think that's a, a coaching error, uh, which also just compounds everything it adds to it. Is that in the headset? Obviously the headset's on, play caller can, well, he's running down the field, hey, we're thinking about this, but yeah, we, I don't mean, know. We, that, we don't know until Doug says it or you know, I don't Trevor know how much it. discretion they, they give the quarterback right. there, but um, it's a simple look to the sideline and – you know, a, a clock it gesture, they can hear it in the hat too. Clock it, clock it, clock it. So um, communication has been an issue with this team. I think a week ago that was the case. Um, but I, I think that's just a clock play. I, looking at the time, you got to think Trevor has to know it's, it's a first clock down. Play. You got, yeah, right. Miss 11 seconds. And everything's scrambling, right? You clock it, you go to the huddle, you can call two plays. All right, we're going to go boom, quick hitter. If it's not there, I'm throwing it out so we can line up and get that second one in. And you get those chances under a more controlled environment. I mean, the, the only thing you can't do is get tackled in bounds. I mean, right. that is it, or other than turn it over outright. But, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the one – where he, third and 17, man, he's got to protect that football and just lays it out there. You got to figure McManus is making that. And then, yeah. you know, at the minimum, it should have been six points for the Jags. And it's a completely different feel if it's 10 to six, the way the defense had played in the first half. Yeah, uh, Cam Newton, I'm not sure if you guys saw it, where he made the com- uh, comments about no. difference makers and game managers. Like, you want your players, especially your quarterbacks, to be game managers. That's just knowing the situations. Even now, uh, knowing that situation, the fumble there on third and mm-hmm. 17, the clock management right before the half, I think those are even bigger highlights than the missed field goals because that's just those things happen, and those were tough kicks for McManus. Um, I like game managers. I want a field general, someone who knows you know, how to put us in position to win. Every point counts. You know, and I think they've just been loose with those points, whether that's uh, uh, going for it, you know, with two-point conversions in certain situations, uh, um, the, the calls before the halves, uh, before the half, the clock management play right here. We can look at several situations throughout the course of the year and say, well, yeah, Doug, is, he's, he's aggressive by nature, and that's how he's been. That's on one side of it. But then you go back and look at how many times that you put your team in position by – using that aggression versus being a little bit more conservative. Not saying they were going to win if it had been the other way, but those plays stand out a bit more when you don't win. Hey, just out of curiosity, um, what did you think about the not call, the non-call on running into the kicker on the first missed field goal with McManus? Well, it hit the upright. Yeah, you got to call it. You have to call that. You, you got to call it. I, you would think they would call it at home, but because we have not been good at home, I, I, you think home field advantage you would get those type calls, but these refs, they have not been good. And in other games, they haven't been great. It almost seemed like they got together and debated it for a while. 
too. Remember when they went to commercial break, we could see them on the in-house feed. The refs were together talking about that, and I don't know if they you know, ruled that he was trying to sell it or whatever. He got hit. There's no question yeah, the, he got the hit. The kicking leg got hit. I don't think the plant – I don't know if it matters. It wasn't the plant leg, but either way, just it kind of fell right after that. They didn't call it. They didn't put the hanky out. I'd like to think McManus makes that from 45, but, again, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're trying to find answers tonight. There aren't many. <laughs> That's the unfortunate part of a game like this. Yeah, we can speculate and search, and we can also say, well, if he makes it, do they call it, or they just forget about it altogether like they did? Right. It, it's so much out there. Bottom line is this team has to not – Allow the refs to determine. Yeah, you got to play well, better. Like, you got to play better yeah, because yeah. that's clearly it's twelve points. It's no way around it. That's twelve points, and this is a closer game, and it's a more competitive game if that's the case. Final score tonight: twenty-three-seven Ravens over the Jaguars on Sunday Night Football. The Ravens now eleven and three. They have officially clinched a playoff berth. They are the number one seed at the moment, but they are officially in now after the win tonight. The Jaguars 8-6, and six, and a lot of work to be done in the AFC South with three games to go. Uh, plenty ahead. Doug Peterson still set to speak with the media. He's not made his way down the hallway as of yet. After that, he'll catch up with Bucky Brooks. We'll have that conversation for you right here. This is Jaguars postgame on Jaguars Radio. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on the Jaguars Radio Network. J.P. Shadrick, Mike Dempsey, and Fred Taylor from the Hyundai Studios at Everbank Stadium after a Jaguars loss on Sunday night football. Final score, Ravens 23, Jaguars 7. Bucky Brooks is down the hallway just outside of the Jaguars locker room. He'll catch up with head coach Doug Peterson after uh, the Jags head coach visits with the media. That has not happened yet. And uh, when Trevor Lawrence makes his way in, we'll try to carry some of that press conference as well. Um but nothing as of yet. After a Jaguars loss and a lot of questions after this game and what what happened to the Jaguars on the offensive side, they've uh, kind of lost some spark, obviously, and the defensive side giving up all the rushing yards tonight. Uh, it is time now, though, for the Kingfish Pest Control defensive play of the game. It is a Jaguars takeaway and a big moment for this uh, Jags team in the first half. And it's Rayshon Jenkins. Play fake. Jackson rolls right. Pump fake. Now throws to the middle field. Ball picked off. Rayshon Jenkins running it back to the 45-yard line. Terrific work. He broke on the ball. He picked it off. Rayshon Jenkins runs it back to the Jaguars' 48-yard line. Ray with the interception. That's the Kingfish Pest Control defensive play of the game. Let the pros tackle the pests in your home by going to kingfishpest.com. That's kingfishpest.com. And a veteran safety with a nice play there when the Ravens were on the move, and the Jags had just missed a 55-yard field goal, and they got the ball at their own 45 and a really good field position, but the Jags' defense with that takeaway. Unfortunately, the Jaguars couldn't do anything with it. That was, next drive on the offense was the Trevor Lawrence fumble at the 18 going in and uh, gave away at least uh, three points on that drive. So there you have it, the defensive play of the game. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIProductions.com. 
All right, let's uh, let's go through Trevor Lawrence's night again. This is this is going to be the number one story all week long. Is is the play of the quarterback in key moments of this game? And the numbers passing are twenty five of forty three, two sixty four through the air, a touchdown pass that was the long one to Jamal Agnew, eighty three point nine rating. He ran four times for forty one yards. But as we talked about, it's the situational moments there. The the fumble in the red zone going in. The lost fumble late in the game on the sack. But the end of half uh, awareness situation. Now, who is that on? Well, the quarterback's pulling the trigger on throwing the ball. So, uh, at least start with that. Maybe we'll get some more knowledge as we hear from the coaches and things as the week goes along. But um, that's a full plate for the quarterback of mistakes in one night. Yeah, um, also, we talked about the uh, inaccuracies, some of the overthrows. Yeah, it just a couple fell of the, off. Right, the, right? Uh, throwing behind. Um, it brings back into question that ankle. I mean, I know that was a big question a week ago in the Browns game, a couple overthrows, miscues here and there, that one skinny post uh, miscue there to Ridley. Um, I don't know about his plant leg. I was trying to scout it and watch it all night, but I just couldn't really figure it out because it doesn't seem like he's hurt all the time or he's favoring it because he's taking off right. and he's running. And uh, you would kind of hesitate to question whether it's a plant, but uh, he's just been a bit off since that since that ankle. I don't see him making the throws that he would usually make from a – accuracy standpoint of course early in the year the knee issue on the short week going into thursday night football there was a question whether he play or not of course he played and he was the leading rusher in that game and then another short week coming off monday night football to cleveland with the high ankle sprain and then in this game mike as you mentioned earlier you know later in the game he's kind of twisted around right. and he's squeezing his right hand and mm-hmm. trying to shake his arm and and even after that it felt off you know and that's even like going to fred's point about you don't really notice any ankle injury I, I would think if it is bothering him at, there'd be a moment or two when you'd get a wince right like right. you know he's toughing it out and you don't see that throughout right. the game and the inaccuracy is popping up and as you said Fred now granted adrenaline's a funny thing and he's taken off and he's running for these first downs but there's never been a moment tonight where I can recall that he seemed to be favoring the ankle at all that it was impacting him again I can't talk about those last five incompletions because he clearly was dealing with some kind of a stinger or whatever it was with the arm, uh, and that could absolutely have affected his accuracy, but he had plenty of off-target throws, I thought, or just even some of the ones that were completed were higher degree of difficulties. You know, he missed uh, Evan Ingram fairly late in the game, but I think it was before the arm injury. Well, and that was like a third down kind of a blitz situation. Right. It felt like he had maybe a little extra beat to hang in there and, and make a a more accurate throw, at least from the television view in here again, right? Uh, so it's just that. I mean, just, but you got to make it. I mean, you're yeah. a professional quarterback, and sometimes you got to stand in there and take the big shot. You know, even if you want to get rid of it before the contact comes. Ingram was open. If he puts it between the one and the seven, you move the sticks. But you know, again, that's just one example of one of those off the target throws he had. Yeah, even if he's not showing to to favor. You know, those injuries, the knee earlier on, the ankle most recently, it's still in his mental. You know, if it, if it's not a, a painful uh, feeling that he's feeling, I think it's here. You're missing linemen. That's been an issue. You, you, you get some pressure. Uh, you mentioned that he could be trying to get the ball out a bit quicker, maybe not planning, setting. 
uh, with timing. It could be a variety of those sort of things, but completely we can all see that the inaccuracies are there. And you, you have the, the two fumbles tonight, right? And they apparently on the broadcast said Trevor has the most fumbles of anybody in the league since he came in in 2021, right? And you okay. think this is an area – because it's not – it's one thing if you're taking a blindside hit and, you know, the ball pops out, everybody understands that. But he had nine as a rookie, he had 12 last year. This is 10 now mm. with three games to play this year. And both of them tonight – one, he just dropped the ball. And the other one was just the decision as he's getting pulled down to try to make a, a what kind of play is he going to yeah, make? Yeah, they're and questionable. And I get the, the competitive drive, Fred. I mean, you, you want a guy who thinks he can make every single play out there, but at some point he's got to, you know, as the, the guys on the broadcast were saying, you got to live to play another down with that and be able to punt that away and turn it over to your defense who did step up and hold him to a field goal. But, you know, at that point you're you put yourself down 16, you need – Two touchdowns with two two-point conversions. I mean, it's not impossible, but, you know, you're basically putting the final nail in the uh, the Jaguars' loss at that point. Repetition, situations. Situations, repetition. The more you do it in those type moments, like, it's like you talk to your children, right? You have to. Jaguars postgame presented by Florida Home AC. Call Florida Home AC today. Official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Final score on Sunday Night Football. Ravens 23, Jaguars 7. Missed opportunities. The Jags 0 for 3 in the red zone. A couple of missed field goals. And now a record of 8-6. and 6. And let's head down to the Everbank Vault where Bucky Brooks is standing by with head coach Doug Peterson. Coach, thoughts on a disappointing loss tonight? I think JP just summed it up. Um, missed opportunities in the red zone, missed missed field goals, um, you know, pre-snap penalties, uh, you know, just just things that are that are in, in a way kind of mind-boggling, you know, uh, for for us to be this far in, and and we continue to uh, um, you know put the ball on the ground and, and and turn it over. We're just taking we're just taking points off the board and. Given, you know, we're just not giving ourselves a chance, and uh, we're making it too hard. Uh, word came out about Trevor being in concussion protocol. You have anything on on that at all? No, he's he'll be in the protocol this week. Okay, so coach, um, trying to think big picture defensively, uh, it appeared that defense played well for most part in terms of stylistically the kind of style of defense that you want to play. Is that an accurate assessment of, like, how you wanted them to play? Yeah, um, they did. They came out, and I thought the first half really kept us in the ballgame, um, you know, and, and played really well, had a, had a key, you know, a turnover in there, you know, that uh, really set the offense up for a possible score. And, and then, you know, come out in the third quarter, and we got a, we got a nice stop to start the third. Offense goes down and scores, puts us right back in the ballgame, I believe, at, at 10-7, something like that. And, and then Baltimore just got a little little head of steam with their run game and um, started doing some things and and um, you know it just started to unravel at that point you know for us and and then the the turnovers came some pre snap penalties came offensively and um, it just it just kind of got away from us but uh, I thought I thought for the most part defensively uh, really did a nice job and and um, you know kept us in this game. Another thing that you talked about in, in pregame, uh, you talked about the special teams like kind of being measured Jamal Agnew comes back has a couple big returns kind of juiced up everything so if your defense plays well your special teams well well normally it gives you an opportunity to win how do you feel about the special teams performance yeah I thought the the the, the core units played played well um I thought Logan punted the ball well you know um 
you're right. Jamal did a nice job, you know, on on the kick returns. Uh, was really aggressive coming out. Uh, made made some big plays there. Um, you know where, you know the the two missed kicks. Obviously, we've we've missed a couple of kicks now here in the last couple of weeks. That, you know, he it's right in his wheelhouse, and um, you know he's very capable of making those. Um, you know, but I thought special teams for the most part too did did their part. You know, tonight and and well enough for us to win this game if we could. But, you know, offense was the you know the 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 disappointing part. So you've been around this thing for a long time, and like most teams, like you have the ebbs and flows of the season. How do you take a team where it is now and kind of show them how to rebuild their confidence going forward? You know, we just got to continue to to just put our goals in front of us and and then show them that everything is still right right for us to take and and you know that's what they have to understand is is that uh, you know we haven't clinched anything you know uh, we haven't been crowned any AFC sound none of that uh, we still have to go play football and and we have to go win games and. You know, we're on this three-game skid right now at the wrong time of the season. It, it shouldn't be this way. And, uh, you know, it should be the other way. You should be, you know, 2-1, and 3-0, and oh, whatever, and, and, and you got momentum and steam. So we've got we've to kind of figure that out here in, 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 in a short period of time. Um, you know, we're on the road this week. We're in Tampa, and, and uh, they're, they're red hot right now. They're playing extremely well. And, and um, you know, we got on the road and got to go on the road and, and uh, figure out a way to win. Well, maybe we figure it out in practice. Have a good performance this weekend. We're going to have to. Thank you. Head coach Doug Peterson with Bucky Brooks down the hallway. Uh, we are back in the mo- in a moment with player of the game voting and the injury report presented by Baptist Health. And, of course, most notably in that conversation and in the press conference a moment ago, head coach Do- Doug Peterson announcing that quarterback Trevor Lawrence has entered the NFL's concussion protocol after tonight's game. He will not visit with the media tonight. We'll discuss when we come back, and this is Jaguars Post Game on Jaguars Radio. Jaguars Post Game presented by Florida Home AC continues. J.P. Shadrick with Mike Dempsey and Fred Taylor from the Hyundai Studios at Everbank Stadium after a Jaguars loss to the Ravens 23-7 on Sunday Night Football. The Ravens 11-3. The Jaguars now 8-6, three-way tie atop the AFC South. The Jaguars have the tiebreakers over the Texans and the Colts. And uh, three games to go now in this regular season. Time now for the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And at the end of Doug Peterson's press conference, he announced that Trevor Lawrence is in concussion protocol. And due to the NFL rule with that, he is unable to speak with the media tonight. Did not have any additional information when Bucky asked him about it just a moment ago. That, obviously, uh, Fred, is priority number one. The quarterback's in the protocol. You know, he's holding his hand all night. He's got the high ankle issue he had played through, the left knee earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. a lot going on with Trevor physically. Yeah, this team will not go without Trevor. So it's very important that he is healthy. We don't know what's going on. Obviously, you have to uh, uh, use caution by putting him in the protocol or in the concussion protocol. Um Got a lot of lot of lot of issues going on with injuries, guys in and out of the lineup. Here you have the quarterback out, so there's a lot of big question marks, a lot of red flags. You got to play a Tampa team yeah. who's won three in a row, yet you still have to find a way to win. At, I, I believe at bare minimum two of the next three. You would think. I mean, yeah, you, you want to win them all, but well, I mean, at least two Indian, of the next the three. The Texans are going to play each other. That's right. Right. So, right. so that cancel out. And one. Indy's also got uh, Vegas, which 
any given week, you have no idea how good Vegas is. I mean, yeah. the, I think they're the more dangerous team, honestly, right now. They're a little bit more complete because uh, Houston's been beaten up. But I, I agree with you, Fred. I think you're going to have to win two out of three, and probably one of them has to be that Tennessee game. When – I don't remember exactly when the Trevor – might have happened late in the game, I, I, I don't, right? It was pretty late in the game. I'm trying to recall the exact instance. He got slung around on uh, – I think it was – I think he got rid of the ball, and he was in the ground – or it might have even been a sack, but he got slung down to the ground. And I re- remember saying it at the time, side of his head bounced hard off the turf, but there was never any – you know, yeah. wobble in his walk. There was never any – and we're not hearing the TV broadcast. We don't know if anything was said at the time, but there was no indication that he had any ill effects of it. But I, I definitely remember a moment of we go back and watch it. You'll see he, his head got slammed pretty hard into the ground tonight. Some other things in the game tonight. Well, Zay Jones in the fourth quarter, a left hamstring it looked like and kind of yeah. was running down the sideline and um, – yeah, reach back there, and that's uh, not a good sign for a wide receiver, certainly, who's already had a knee injury on the right. other side. Yeah, just that that's one of the more trickier uh, injuries that anybody can have is that hamstring. One minute you feel that you can go, and then the next minute, boom, it, it, it uh, re-aggravates itself. And Zay is a big part of the offense. I know he hadn't been you – know, there's been some inconsistency in his play being out there this year or his availability – but um, I think that he had been coming back, coming on, and uh, I hope it's not a big issue. Because if that's a big issue, then they have bigger issues. Because they already know Christian Kirk, you're struggling to run the ball. It's so many changes in the offensive line there. And without Zay, you kind of lose a lot. We're back in a moment. Player of the game voting, and we'll wrap it up when we come back after a 23-7 loss for the Jaguars to the Baltimore Ravens. And this is Jaguars postgame on the Jaguars radio network. Jaguars postgame presented by Florida Home AC. Call Florida Home AC today, official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. J.P. Shadrick, Mike Dempsey, Fred Taylor from the Hyundai Studios. And we wrap it up tonight with a Jaguars Radio Network player of the game voting. I get a vote. Mike gets a vote. Fred Taylor gets a vote. I'm going to guess this will be unanimous tonight, even in a losing effort. Uh, I'll get it started, though. Maybe I'll set the tone. Jamal Agnew returned from the injury list, had a shoulder issue that kept him on the shelf for a little while. His window opened this week, and it closed quickly when he was activated and, and ready to go. And uh, his performance tonight included the long touchdown, the only Jaguars touchdown in the game, 65 yards. But his return game was strong as well. Agnew with a 17-yard punt return, three kickoff returns for 91 yards total, an average of 30 and change, a long of 38. So his presence was felt tonight. That's my vote. Yeah, I'll, I'll back you up on that. Sorry to take the vote away from Fred, you know, at least the decision. <laughs> but I think Rayshon Jenkins deserves an honorable mention with the interception and the sack. Uh, and so big plays from him tonight. But look, Agnew, over 30 yards on the kickoffs, like you said, 17 on the one punt. He was the leading receiver. He's the only guy who scored a touchdown for the Jags. And where would they have been without Jamal Agnew coming back in this football game? So uh, absolutely agree with you, JP. What about you, Freddie? Yeah, it's a clean sweep. And you guys did a good job of detailing it. I'm going to go with Jamal Agnew. All right. So that yep. now that's the uh, Jaguars Radio Network player of the game. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, look no further than Ford F-150. 
Loaded with impressive capabilities and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now next week, Christmas Eve, Raymond James Stadium, Tampa. The Buccaneers, first place team in the NFC South, entertain the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bucks win today. They are 7-7, seven seven, tied with New Orleans with the same 7-7 seven seven record. But the Buccaneers hold the head-to-head tiebreaker and a better division record as well over New Orleans. So they're in it. They need it. Tampa Bay's playing some good football right now, good enough to be in first place. And it's another battle of first-place teams and teams that are tied atop their divisions next week. And can't go to rest on this one. This is All these injuries piling up for the Jaguars, offense having some issues. This is a tough one on the road all of a sudden. Huge, I mean, and uh, absolutely. I mean, nearing must-win territory. I, it's the strangest feeling, Fred. I don't know if I've ever felt this way about a team that's in first place, and I feel like they're chasing the other teams in the division right now, and they're the one that is still in first <laughs> based on the tiebreakers. Right? You've swept the Colts this year, you split with the Texans, but I, I just that's how I feel. I feel like this is the team that. Uh, is in the most trouble, even though they're the one that's currently controlling everything. I mean, Mike, but you got so much, um, you know, time on on the books. You know, you you understand the game. You know, you've been around it. You study the game. The NFL has always been about when do you get hot, like the hot teams this time of the year. Right. And when you look at the Jaguars team, the makeup they've lost, they've dropped three, um, and the injuries. We don't know what's going on up front. They're not running the ball. Everything they say you're supposed to do to, to kind of trend in the right direction, they're doing the totally opposite um, out there on the field, and it's equating uh, uh, to their win-loss columns. They got to win two out of the last three. Here, I guess the, we would say win one first. Just win, yeah, let's win Sunday. Let's start right. with one. Tampa's not a good team. I'm going to keep it real with you. Tampa's not a good team. You go and harass Baker Mayfield, you win the game. Here are the remaining schedules for the Colts and the Texans. Let's start with the Colts. They are at the Falcons on Christmas Eve. They had an inexplicable loss today in Carolina. Uh, the Raiders at the Colts in on New Year's Eve. And then the Texans and Colts meet on the final weekend of the regular season. For the Texans, their final games, Browns in Houston on Christmas Eve. Titans against the Texans on New Year's Eve and then Texans-Colts to wrap it up. Of course, the Jaguars with the Bucks on the road, the Panthers here on New Year's Eve, and then on the road in Nashville to close it out against the Titans. So, um, hey, handle this, the Jaguars still control it. Win them all, and you're in, no matter what happens with the rest of these teams, because you have the tiebreakers. Like you said, just win next week. Just win that the one. That's can th- even possibly think about. Start it. with one. Fred, have a great week. Happy holidays. Cool. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk Happy to you holidays. before Christmas, but mm-hmm. we'll um, oh yeah, we'll do it again next week down in Tampa. Got to get a win. Got to get a win. That's for sure. That's Fred Taylor. And for those in our flagship station in Jacksonville, stick around on 1010XL. The scoreboard show is next with your calls, and I'm sure there will be some tonight after a 23-7 loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football. That'll do it for Jaguars postgame on the Jaguars radio network.